This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. We're heading back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, folks. Open testing happening Thursday and Friday of this week. Very, very excited about that. Coming off of a interesting and a little bit of a wild race in Long Beach, but we trudge on. Uh, we got Barbara coming up next week, and then the month of May is finally upon us. Joey Molinero, back with you on another edition of Speed Street. Sorry I had to miss last week. I was... Um, Fulfilling duties in another sort of racing, horse racing. Uh, so I wasn't with the cars. I was with the horses down there in the bluegrass. But I uh, appreciate Ben and Connor filling in, of course. And I uh, can't go anywhere without, of course, the co-host of this program, driver of the number 20 ride in the NTT IndyCar Series, my pal Connor Daly. CD, you were in uh, California for a long time. You're back in Indianapolis. We're hitting IMS this week. How are we feeling, man? Yeah, it feels good to be back. Uh, really the most exciting uh, part of this week is that we finally get to go around in circles at the Speedway again. So uh, very, very pumped about that. Uh, it has just been a ridiculously rough uh, first three races. So we want to get back to a place that uh, we've had success, um, you know, in the past couple of years, uh, make ourselves feel good again. Uh, that would be nice um, because Long Beach was a rough one for us as a group, uh, both both Renus and I. Um but uh, but yeah, great, great to be back. Great to have the whole crew here, producer Ben as well. Uh, we have a great guest as well this week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in this show. We've got some Long Beach, obviously. A lot of things happen in Long Beach. We want to get to. Uh, want to talk a little bit about um, the. Uh, there was some a lot of online craziness going on. There's some IndyCar tweeting statements about you know online abuse for drivers and all this stuff want to get into that and kind of make it real for some folks and and kind of let you know what is actually happening on the internet all the time. Um, And then James Hinchcliffe uh, is going to be our guest. James Hinchcliffe, obviously a very successful racing driver, very successful TV human being. Um, And yeah, a lot of great things to talk about. Indy 500, McLaren liveries, 34 entries for the Indy 500, potentially a lot of stuff. So very, very excited to get into it. Joey, let's get into Long Beach first, right out the gate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what did it look like as a, from a, from a, from your perspective? Obviously, we talked a little bit about it with Hinch, but... Um, it was a tough rebound after, you know, you're coming up the high of Texas, right? Yes, yeah. 
<laughs> so, that is tough. Yeah. You're, 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 oval you're to street course. Right. You're coming off the short oval. You're coming off that absolutely uh, electrifying race in Texas. Um, and, and yeah, you go, you go into a street course and you know, it's going to be different, but, um, you know, with, with, uh, <laughs> I think it just kind of set the tone with Elio and the first, what was that? Three turns uh, of the first yeah. lap, right? Straight into the wall. Straight into the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we go green, which I thought on TV, kind of, I don't know what it was like for you, but on TV, it felt like the start needed to be bunched Awful. up. It was a yeah. weird. So me and my me and my pals were a little thrown watching it about uh, why they did it. Um, you know, throw a yellow and, and, and bunch it up and restart it. Um, but then it got <laughs> the yellow was thrown. Uh, anyways, right away with Elliot going to the wall. So I feel like that just kind of set the tone for for what was going to be that kind of a, a race. Um, I it, it, we talked about it with Hitch, but it wasn't uh, cool to see Kyle Kirkwood. And, uh, sorry, I got a spam wrist. Calling me in the middle of the show. <laughs> um, people wanting to get more bills from me. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was cool to see Kyle Kirkwood, a uh, young American driver who's a friend of the show, uh, you know, go pull uh, to winning and, and a first time winner, uh, which I think is important. So um, all that to say, a little bit of a, a come down from Texas, uh, but the event did look spectacular on TV, I will say. Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh, Andretti dominance was the uh, was the you know the high the highlight of the weekend um, and Honda was really strong too five Hondas in the Firestone Fast Six um, and and you know great for Kyle I think uh, Kyle obviously it was only a matter of time before he was going to win uh, you know gets his rookie year in at Foyt um, you know I I think what people you know I saw a couple different tweets this week about how IndyCar People were asking, like, hey, explain how cars can be different. We 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 think IndyCar is a spec series. It's not. Kyle Kirkwood didn't just remember how to drive going to Andretti. It's a different team. There's a different organization. Uh, you can have a lot of differences in the the damper development side. You could have guys that um, you know, that that's that's the only area physically in the rule package that you can be, you could invest whatever money you I talk about a lot on this show. People have kind of think it's probably repetitive now, but like I got questions for the podcast that have been DM'd to me about like, hey, explain to us how these teams can be so different. Well, that's really it. Uh, there's a lot of different setup changes you can make as well to obviously, you know, have, get the car in the right window. But yeah, Kyle, very talented driver with Foyt. He learned the tracks, learned a bit about how the races work, maybe made some rookie mistakes, but he was already set for Andretti, which is perfect for him. Um, and now he gets to really take advantage of it. So I, I think that was only a matter of time before that was going to happen. Um, and then also Grosjean there. Boom. I mean, supportive yeah. teammate, but yeah. also just a powerful weekend for that for that group. Um, and I, I kind of want to get into a little bit of the race weekend vibes. Uh, we started with a bit of a driver's meeting that I found to be hilarious. And I, I, I hope Will Power does not mind me sharing this because it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard at a driver's meeting, just to let people know. This is why you listen to this show, maybe. You get what really happens, um, you know, in, in the driver's things. There was Enough. a big discussion. Obviously, you mentioned the start at Long Beach was awful. Well, it's because the hairpin is so tight, right? You, you could probably fit two cars through there too wide, but very, very so, difficult to do that, especially without stalling the car or hitting someone. And the start was disgusting. Like, we were green, and I obviously started last. 
I no. was green. We were green in turn nine, and it was like a traffic jam, and and, and the last hairpin couldn't see anyone on the straight. Well, it didn't even look like the start of the race. Um, no. But we had talked about there was there was a discussion in the drivers' meeting about passing in that last hairpin. A couple of the drivers had brought it up, saying like, "Hey, we should make it a rule to not allow people to pass people in the final hairpin because it can cause easy accidents." You know, Paddle got taken out there two years ago. Uh, I think Renus was in a, in a wreck there last year. Uh, there's some people that just if you try to go for a move there, it usually ends up in disaster. Um, and so it it was an IndyCar had made the decision they're like hey look we're not going to we're not going to disallow passing on one corner of the track on starts and restarts like you just can't do that and and I kind of understand but there was some a lot of driver chatter about like well should we have like a gentleman's agreement like the what passes in the last corner that's never going to work and Will Power said something that might have been the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life he's like well we should set some other consequences and he basically said if you pass in the last corner You'll be murdered, and I was like, <laughs> and the entire room just starts laughing hysterically because Will was already so mad apparently about this that he's like, "Yep, if you pass in the last corner, you're gonna get murdered." And so that I thought was obviously he's saying this in a comical sense. Will Power is not a murderer, uh, but that was one of the funniest things that I've ever heard of the drivers. I was sitting right next to him too, and I. I, I I've never laughed that hard in in a driver's meeting, uh, but that's the kind of consequences we wanna we wanna put out there apparently for uh, for passing in the hairpin. Obviously, there were no rules that were set, uh, and thankfully there were no crashes in the hairpin. But Joey, I thought you would like that comment as well. I, I do. Yeah, I can just hear it, and uh, you know, yeah. in his powers, accents, full powers, all see dry accent, sense of humor. He was brilliant. <laughs> His brother's a famous comedian, so Will exactly in that he's got a little bit of that comedic timing to him. So uh, I do appreciate that. That's great, and I feel like you know the reason people laughed maybe it was a little bit of a nervous laughter because you're like, yeah, that's that's a funny line, but he may actually fucking kill someone. What the start wild? You've seen his crazy <laughs> hands that go up and do the birds at race control. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you never know. This dude probably has kangaroo farms where he could bury you and you never hear from you again. So there you go. I can yeah, see it. it. It was a very, very funny moment. Um, that that just kind of started it off. But yeah, interesting weekend overall. Great crowd. Uh, great, great amount of human beings there. We had a lot of Speed Street listeners that were there yet again. I handed out a lot of Speed Street stickers, too, to those that got a Speed Street sticker. Um, awesome. I handed them out at the driver's meeting. Uh, and Or drive, not driver's meeting, the driver's autograph <laughs> session. I uh, did not hand them out at the driver's meeting. <laughs> hey, Joseph, you're cold. Yeah, yeah did not hand on. them out there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, great to have those folks interact. A lot of people say they're listening to this show, and, and we appreciate every single you one. Got, uh, you got a free bill. You said it's a nice little yeah. photo. Yes, no, that's true. Saturday night, uh, having dinner with my lady out there at the King's Fish House, which is a great restaurant in Long Beach, an incredible restaurant. Right. Uh, no free ads, but, yeah, it was so good. And we had uh, our, 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 our dinner, I asked for the check, and... It was um, had written on it that uh, big fan of Speed Street. I sent you guys the group. I uh, took a picture of it, um, sent it to the group. Uh, I will read out the message that was on there because I thought it was great. Happy 100 starts. Love Speed Street. Who's your fan? Uh, so we appreciate um, 
the human beings that 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 uh, the human being that paid for my dinner. Uh, thank you for listening to the show, man. I didn't know this show was going to get us free dinners. Honestly, that's uh, huge. I mean, it's a huge bonus. I my, it's a date night got paid for. I mean, it's crazy. I, I respect that, Joey. I think you're next. We're big balling in front of the lady, man. I mean, <laughs> if I could get like four meals or maybe four bottles of wine paid for a year just to do that slow and get on here and BS with you about IndyCar. I'm cool with that. That works for me. So we appreciate, uh, what was it? King's Fish House, you said? King's Fish House. Yeah, very delicious place, oh, honestly. Up. If you're out there uh, in Long Beach, got to check it out, man. They're a friend of the program. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, it wasn't an employee of the King's Fish House. It was someone else who was also oh, dining there. It. Yeah, okay. it wasn't the restaurant that paid for it. It was another fellow IndyCar patron that had paid for it. So well, we do love the, the King's Fish House, but, but thank King's you Fish to House first. Is just okay. You're, you're, yeah. you're good. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Exactly. Um, you you mentioned uh, that 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 Long Beach was this this particular Long Beach was a, an interesting one was a struggle one um, because it became a fuel race a fuel yes. city. Ex- yeah. You know, explain just kind of that process, how it became that, and then why that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, the the interesting thing about that race is it's it's uh, a two stop strategy is the most ideal strategy to use there. Um, and you know, for us, uh, we were starting at the back, and so that first yellow that happened with Elio, we just took fuel only. So to make the sh- like, we started on the primary tires, and our goal was to make the stint in the middle with the green tires, the shortest stint possible. So when we took extra fuel at the beginning, we were actually the only one to do that. A couple of people took fuel and tires, but we just took fuel. So we jumped ab- about three or four people in the pits um, because we were on the primary tires um, and basically wanted to go long and try to make the short stint with the reds uh, or the green tires just, just short. Um, and it actually was working out fine. Like we went green Already had made up four positions, three or four positions, um, past Benjamin Peterson, past Stingray Rob, uh, got up to the back of the next pack. Um, it, 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 things going well, honestly. For us, race pace-wise, we made up like nine or ten positions by, you know, about half, like coming to the end of the second stint. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the second pit stop for us, basically what happened, well, what happened was when it went yellow for Dixon in the wall or went, went yellow for whoever was in the wall, Dixon, I think it was, that came at a lap where it was too close to the pit window to not take because there was, I saw a stat, there was almost a hundred percent chance for a yellow with like 10 to 15 to go or something like that. It was a crazy history at this track for yellows. Um, and so you ha- everyone had to take that pit stop. And it was a shame for us because we had had more fuel than anyone else. Um, and we were ready to go very long on that first stint. But if we would have stayed out, let's say, and gone straight to the lead, tires are older. We yep. would It would have been a real battle. And it's only about four or five more laps that you're going to do anyway. So it, it's, it, it's a really tough balance. So we had to take it. Um, and then as basically, as soon as that stint started, I, I you're like, all right, now we got to make fuel mileage. And everyone was kind of in the same boat. The problem is, is we got, I, 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 I think I didn't realize how much fuel we had to save at the first, at the beginning of that stint. Um, and again, if you get a yellow at any time, that changes everything, right? So you're kind of just going until you get a yellow. Um, but what that meant for the rest of 
a lot of the people's races is a lot of lifting. You're not driving as hard as possible. It's a different art. You're lifting early, braking a little bit later, trying to short, trying to shorten the brake zone, still be fast, but be lifting early. Um, and it's just tough because you can't really push as hard as you can, as hard as you're supposed to push. Um, but, but our second stop, uh, we had an issue with the air jacks anyway. The car never came, the car never got up in the air, so we had about a minute pit stop anyway. So we were already out of the race by that point. But even still, we had to get to the finish, right? So being already losing a minute and losing so much track, all the track time, and then having to save fuel, it's almost like the most boring race of all time. So uh, it's tough, tough, certainly tough for us. We, we've had so many issues these first three races, and it's just it's hard to take. Um, but we saw how much, how many people also struggle with it. You know, the, the, the Hondas dominated, right? It, maybe that was a bit of a difference. We didn't see any Penske cars really threatening for the win there. Um, and, and I thought that was very, very interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Uh, so that was kind of the the summary of the race. Um, I, I really want to get into, though, the craziness of Pato and what was going on there and the him wrecking Dixon. And we talked a little bit about it with Hinch, too, so we won't dive too deep into it. So stay tuned for that interview. But wild move for Pato to just put Dixon in the wall and be like, yep, not sorry. Great for the series, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think we talk about what that what that does rules wise deeply with Hinch, but just to see him drive and basically side slap Dixon, or as Paul Tracy say, give him the side horn, um, you know that that's 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 kind of wild. And he also basically almost wrecked three other people too. And again, we're Patomania fans; we love that. I think that's great. But boy, that's if you're if you're going from what he did at Texas, pretty mistake free, having a great race. And then even St. Pete, maybe he was getting hot inside that car, and he's like, "I got, I got to win." And he, you know, obviously that wasn't for the lead. That was, you know, I, I thought it was kind of crazy to see. It seemed like it seemed like a mixture of maybe he was getting a little too full of uh, Padomania, uh, <laughs> and he had to he had to puke up somewhere. And then, uh, yeah, uh, it was a mix of that, and I think, like you said, race three, I've been on the cusp of these last two. Give me this checkered flag. I've been up here. I had a top five finish here last year. Um, and, you know, just just knowing Pato personally and and, and and through the series and everything, like, he, he has that mentality. I could definitely see that being the case. Like, he, he's got that kind of, uh, like, the, 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 the parallel for got me. Got a fire be, to him. Well, he's got a fire to him, but the parallel yeah. for me would be, because I always go back to football analogies, you know, the parallel for me would be like a gunslinger quarterback, right? Like he, he he's going to do some things where you're like, holy smokes, that's amazing. But he's going to do some things where you're saying, my God, would you just reel it back in and not throw it over the middle of the field off your back foot? You know, like, like Jameis Winston, but if Jameis was successful. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, you know what he is? He's like, yeah. he's, uh, he's like the Mexican Brett Favre who doesn't rip off people in the state of Mississippi. That's <laughs> not like it, what playing, a comparison. Playing wise <laughs> and driving wise. 
Yeah. That's, you know, Pato. Maybe like a Baker Mayfield, you know what I mean? But yeah, he's been yeah. Baker Mayfield. Anyways, exactly. Like he's, he's got trophies. <laughs> exactly. So what I'm saying is that he's just got that gunslinger type of driver to him, I think. And uh, he just fully, those two things combined, uh, was kind of going for it. And then, yeah, you <laughs> that interview afterwards, it's like, I loved it. But I, I kind of wonder if he wasn't fully surrounded by his paddle mania posse if he would have said the same thing. You know, it was like oh. he was almost put he was almost he was putting on a show in front of an audience uh after like the they're race, about to start a chant like for real, like oh yeah. Paddle, like, yeah. right. like yeah, stop fixing exactly he's a right. dummy, like he should never have even tried to stay there. It's like, well, no, he's actually probably one of the smartest people ever, but yeah. <laughs> Right. It was yeah. It was a great. Uh, the funny thing was too that I was walking back from the race and I had seen this crowd around the McLaren. We were pitted right next to McLaren or in the garage area, and like I see the crowd that there was a crowd at McLaren all day, every day. Again, great for IndyCar. I love this. Love the buzz around McLaren. Um, well, Zach Brown was there, so he's a uh, driver to survive character. So they, they were they were asking for his autograph a lot, uh, which is great. We we love television stars. Um, but it was, it was funny to see cause I, I like Pato and the TV cameras, they were actually deep inside the tent. So they, at some point they must've decided, Hey, do you want to do the interview surrounded by all those <laughs> folks? Cause I had walked by and they were over there like far away from the fans. And then they're like, nah, let's just dive right in wow. and get, get in there. Stop. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he's already out of his suit and everything. It's one of those post-race interviews that uh, it was very NASCAR-esque. Like if someone at the end of a NASCAR race had, had wrecked someone else, you got to interview him. And I love that. Like yeah, we need more of that in the sport. Um, so yeah, interesting weekend overall. Not as much chaos, uh, you know, not as much, I guess, attrition as I think, I think most people would have expected. Um, you know, the fuel race thing was weird because like, you know, we were I was running ahead of Lungard and Lundgaard finished like 13th, and I was like, oh, man, it was a shame. I think we missed out on, our, on an opportunity for a good race. But again, these things happen for sure. Um, but in general, I, I think it was good to have first-time winner, good to have Andretti kind of resurgence, because, again, it, it's kind of it's been such a wild up-and-down first three races uh, for, for different people's successes. Uh, points kind of flopping all over the place. Erickson obviously being the most consistent. Of course, he's leading the points. Um, but yeah, fuel races suck. Uh, hopefully, we can have a better race at, at Barber. But, you know, there was a lot that happened after the event as well. One thing that we also had to point out, this is kind of funny for those who listen to the program, IndyCar Memes was there, apparently. The very very hilarious, I think, account that has done oh. some hilarious work for the IndyCar uh, scene uh, it looked like whoever this person was was live live Instagram storying from the track. I still have no idea who it is. Never want to know. I think the anonymity is hilarious. So IndyCar memes, if you listen to this, keep on being hilarious. Um, I'm glad you were at a race. <laughs> glad you exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe tip of the cap, tip of the hand a little bit there. The West Coast based. They just make Don't a trip. Let, yeah. Don't let anyone know who you are, please. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was great to see on social. Some other stuff that we saw on social that was interesting. I want to get your thoughts on all the the wild stuff that happened with Cal Mylot. Hey. He some some online hate. He's getting some online threats. He calls it out. 
Uh, we get some back and forths going on. Then we have IndyCar itself. Uh, the the, the IndyCar uh, social media channels putting out a statement uh, saying, you know, this is not what we agree with to represent. You know, we we want our fans to encourage them to be respectful. And um, I haven't seen really anything like this in the in the you know last handful of years where I've really come on strong with IndyCar. I know you've been around it way longer than I have, Connor. So so what yeah. do you think? Yeah, very interesting. Well, first of all, I mean, the IndyCar social team is obviously way more on it than they have been in the past. You know, they're they're throwing out so much content, which is great. I think that's hugely positive. So they're definitely more engaged, I would say, in the past. So they probably see it more than uh, they, they used to. Wow. Um, but Callum Eilat obviously was, a, was, a, was, was struggling with some of this stuff. There was a lot going on. And again, I didn't really see the incident between him and his teammate, Augustine Canapino, um, I, both of those guys are, are great dudes too. And I think they would work well together as teammates, but I guess there was a certain situation that went on where, where Augustine was leading and, uh, and Callum was trying to not go a lap down. And there was, there was some, some sort of interaction. It, it actually doesn't matter what happened. It really doesn't. Um, but I think what I want to tell people, like Callum had put out a couple things. So, you know, obviously some of the Argentinian fan base were, were going after, right. And, I would say South American, Central American fan base is very passionate. Very, very, very passionate people. And we need that. I I think um I I see this all the time. Like if if we think this is a new thing, just letting people know, there's a lot of really supportive IndyCar fans as well. Like there's a lot of great support on Twitter and Instagrams. The comments and stuff like that are great. I don't really go to the Facebook comments because those seem like be the worst place ever. Um <laughs> but it, this isn't like a new thing. So like the fact that like IndyCar put out this statement, you know, I guess that's okay and great. But like literally every week I block like a hundred people like because they're like we just get trash thrown at us all the time. And I, I don't know why people think and honestly, it is really it's awful to read these people that you have no idea who they are just coming at you that don't know anything about you, but they feel like, hey, you know what? I need to trash this person's life in existence. But that's but like that is what happens every day. So again, I would love to eliminate that because look, I I think we're fine. I don't I don't really care. I had all of Mexico coming after me uh, 2 years ago uh after Pato was leading at Road America. I was trying not to go a lap down. I pulled away from him, didn't actually stop him from winning that race. But boy did Mexico want to kill me. Like it was true. I I know exactly how that feels. But I mean, I don't care. Like, if I look at it and I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? We're all racing. Like, it's, it's, you guys, I blocked all those people and I never see them again. So they're dead to me. Like, I don't care. But it's not fun to have to read and go through. Like, it sucks. So, like, I understand where Callum's coming from for sure. It's annoying, but we're never going to get away from that because these people that tweet all these things, these awful things at us as drivers, I mean, it could be anyone. I mean, never go to Facebook because everyone there is right. Um, but it's 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 something that sadly we're not going to stop. And I think it makes me appreciate the 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 good side of the IndyCar fan base. Like I've got a lot of great fans and supportive fans, fans that have known me since like I I did win a lot. You know what I mean? And so like that's that's really cool to have. Um, but hate to see that. I guess you, I, Joey. I I we talked a little bit about before the show. As someone, you are very 
highly followed on the social medias, right? Which means that you get both a lot of positives and also some attacks as well. Like, give us, I, I, I guess I'm trying to put it in, in reality, like, for people that are at home and doing their thing, you know, imagine people every day you wake up and on your social media, someone is attacking you for what you do at your job for no reason. People that you don't even know. Like, it's, it's kind of annoying, but you have to be prepared for it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, it's it's definitely and it, it, it maybe maybe this is maybe this is what's happened with with Callum a little bit. You know, I, I'm not speaking for him, obviously, and I'm not making excuses for people making death threats. I mean, that, there's no place for that anywhere. Anybody who does that on any platform in any way is a huge coward and is really just insane. And like, oh, so, yeah. so there's no place for that kind of stuff. But I, you know, when, 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 when I started getting more of a following and my career changed and everything, like it was a weird adjustment period, right? Because used to, you, you would just, you wouldn't be, maybe you'd hop in the comments of something and you would know that you, no one knows or has anything to say about what you're doing. Right. And so like, you would just maybe get some positives of friends or people who know you. It was like, oh, wow, like you're, look at you. That's cool what you're doing, right? And then all of a sudden it changes to where like, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. You're going to have somebody just absolutely eviscerating you, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so so the, that is a weird adjustment. And like I said, there's no place for people who want to make crazy threats or 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 have really hate speech type of nonsense like that. None of that. Um, but to your point, and this is something that I had to accept. This is something you've long accepted. You know, a long ago, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, being someone who is in the public eye, if you will, you being a professional race car driver, uh, me being in entertainment comedy um, that has a following that's more of a public person who puts themselves out there for a living, whether it be on the racetrack or whether it be through sketches and comedy and things like that. Um, that has always been something that people in the public eye have to deal with. And that's always going to be that way. Um, and I think maybe to IndyCar's point of making a statement, maybe it's just because they're trying to get ahead of it, of avoiding that toxic kind of fan base to where it's not just like a, a meme or like a light joke. It's, it's, it's something that's like really aggressive and unnecessary and, and toxic and bad, uh, which makes sense. You don't want that. And you want to get rid of that. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it's a weird adjustment for everybody who goes from being, uh, somebody who maybe just works in like the private sector, if you will, or, or has kind of a private life to then go into more of a public life in a public sphere. It's a weird adjustment that, that everybody faces at some point. For sure. And, you know, I, I, one thing, here's a weird spin zone. I think it's great for IndyCar. I, I think the fact that we, like, that's not not great to have all the facts, of course, but, like, if we're popular enough to where we have to issue, as IndyCar has to issue a statement like that, and there is a, a lot of attention. Like, I saw that tweet that IndyCar put out the statement, got a million views or something like that. Hey, I'm not going to lie, guys. I think, although it is it is tough, and, and and that is not good. I, I do think there are more eyes paying attention to this sport, which again, we don't want the hateful eyes, but realistically, if your sport grows, there yeah. are going to be more people like that. So, well, yeah, I mean, well, like 
You see people like soccer players in Europe. I mean, oh my gosh, the fan bases for soccer players in Europe. The Formula One fan base, I mean, Formula One is so massive on a worldwide stage that you literally had Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen fans like almost lining up at a Civil War type battlefield with muskets and swords like after the World Championship finished. Like, look, that is a toxic group of people over there too. But hey, as your sport grows, you're going to get that. And we're going to have to deal with that. But realistically, there are still more positive people, I would say, than negative. Certainly in my case, I've been very lucky and thankful. But like, if more people are watching, you're not only going to get more fans, but you're going to get more and more haters. Which again, it's part. we are in a sport, and you are in a profession as well, Joey, where you're going to get that. But as you grow, you're going to get more of each, right? And so we just have to be prepared for that. I think no matter what, it's never going to stop. Absolutely never going to stop because ton of scumbags in the world, obviously, and just people that are dumb. No offense. Like, well, actually, offense, but like people that just don't understand well enough to comment properly on things. But we appreciate the fact that the sport is growing. I do see a growth in our sport. And honestly, passionate Argentinian fans, like I drove for Ricardo Yunkos, Love the passion they have for motorsport, right? Not good to be throwing bad death threats. Cancel that. That's out. We're we're not doing that. But like, I really want to race in Argentina. So again, I, I think there is a, there is again awful stuff we don't want to have happen. But I think if you have to look at this as a whole, it's always going to be there. I'm sorry, but that's just that's just the case. It's always going to be there. I had a couple NASCAR drivers reach out to me, and they're like, "What's going on with IndyCar?" Like, we get this stuff all the time. You know what I mean? So, but that's a bigger sport than we are. So like, again, yeah. this is going to be something that is prevalent every single weekend. And we as drivers just have to be prepared for that. Not fun. Doesn't suck. Or, I mean, it, it's not good, uh, but it does not give anyone permission to do it, but you're never going to avoid these people. That That's what I would have to say about it. So again, spin zone, IndyCar is popular enough to where people are talking about it and throwing crazy, awful, terrible things, but we don't want those. So yeah, so keep so your hate at home and don't tweet it. Yeah, it, it's a real, real double-edged sword, really is. Uh, because like you yeah. said, I think your point there, there is something that you could be said where it's like, oh wow, there, there's that many people who care. There's that more people who have eyeballs on it and they care. Their, their, their passion is, um, you know, their passion is mistaken for crazy statements and things online right yeah um, just so think 10 seconds before words. you tweet it just think ten, like hey what if someone said this to me and i often yeah. think if that person literally read that to themselves maybe yeah. they'd be like wow that does sound dumb <laughs> definitely so and segregable sure. yeah i really wanted to get to that but there's a lot of really great stuff that we get to with hinch here but some indy 500 stuff obviously we got the open test this week which is very exciting I can't wait to get on track tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday. We're testing tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. It's going to be on Peacock. Please watch. Same. Uh, great subscriber numbers. Um, you know, our TV ratings from Long Beach, we had over a million people, which is what we want. And that was going directly against NASCAR. So again, this is a positive, people, Peacock. for sure. This is a positive. Uh, I know it's not a a huge gain, but boy, did we not lose. And and that's that's good. So... I think it's great for us. We got to keep that momentum going to Barber. I'm very curious to see what the start times for NASCAR and IndyCar are there. Um, but I Barber think we was can. Barber was a USA race last year, wasn't it? 
I don't think so. I think all the first ones were NBC, as far as far as I'm aware, but I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, what I'm excited about is the popularity growing. We need to do that. The first episode of 100 Days to Indie, I guess I can officially talk about that because we all saw it, and uh, it was great. Uh, I, I, I would like to give a quick synopsis on that. Um, be prepared to see three drivers on the very first episode, but you have to realize that they build characters. If you watch Drive to Survive, everyone's favorite Netflix show, some drivers were not talked about at all in the first episode, but they came in in the third episode. So you have to realize they got to build characters, and this is a you know week-by-week -week series. So um, I thought it was great for the three drivers that were a part of it, but they showcased a lot of great action. I, I just think, obviously, some of our core fans, they're going to be, everyone's going to nitpick something because that's what we, that's what the world likes to do. But if you appreciate it as something that helps our sport, I talked to a lot of people that were happy about it. So I, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. P please tune into that April 27th. That's episode one uh, on the CW. It's going to be on Vice as well. You're going to be able to watch it. You're going to be able to watch it somehow, uh, some way. Everybody's so, got CW. So just yeah, literally everyone does have CW. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Indy 500 news, uh, we're going to have bump day. So I don't know if Yo! everyone, if anyone missed that, there is going to be a 34th entry. Uh, R.C. Enerson, who I would love to interview on this show. Uh, R.C., former teammate of mine uh, at my rookie year at Coin. Um, very, very talented, underrated driver, I would say. Uh, what he did with us at Coin, I think, was very, very impressive. We both had some great races there together. Um, and I, I think this situation, too, with Abel, J Abel Motorsports, uh, Jacob Abel and his family and their team, uh, a lot of great people at that team. Um, the, one of their engineers there uh, was with the uh, Schmidt Indy Lights team when me and Joseph were there. Great engineer. Uh, and John Brunner is there as well, who worked at, I believe, Forsyth Motorsports back in the day in the Champ Car days. Uh, a lot of really good experience at that team. Um, and I, I am, I'm excited to see how that works for them. I, I, I think it'll be, it'll be way better than what RC had last time. Hey. Um, but excited to have bump day. It makes qualifying crazy. Who's going to be the yep. only car out? That's going to be tough. Like, obviously, we hate to see one person go home, but that's the Indy 500. I'm sorry. This is what this is what you show up for. This is what you tune in for. Qualifying is going to be a hundred times more exciting because something is on the line. Someone's going to have a tough day. Someone's going to have the greatest day ever. So, love to see that. Um, I mean, Joey, that that takes qualifying level as a fan to a whole a whole new level. No doubt, man. Yeah, I mean. I've known that last year, obviously, there was, last year was different because Scott set the record, you know, and those, the speeds of last year was just insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that, that provided some excitement. Uh, but yeah, there's just, again, going back to what we've talked about, harped on for really since kind of me and you started the show is just like that drama, the, 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 the storyline, the drama that everybody wants to get beyond. Who's going to be in? Who's going to be out? Holy cows, to come down the last second. Is he going to get, uh, another runoff, right? Like, that's, yeah. it's all great stuff. It's all very, very exciting. Um, and and you know, I think it just adds an extra, you know, the 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 month of May and and Fast Friday qualifying and the race weekend. It's all one big cake, right? But then I think when you have bump, you know, it's just that nice, special 
icing that you love that's just on top of it all that really just makes it that much better. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, the funny thing is I said to my girlfriend, Amy, I was, she hasn't been to Indy 500 qualifying. Yeah, I was like, well, now you're going to experience what it's really like. You know what I mean? Like, this is the drama, the craziness. Um, you know, we obviously hope to not be involved in that drama and craziness, but someone will be. And odds are, it could be someone you won't expect. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's thinking, well, maybe it'll be Catherine and RC trying to make the race. But, like, what if all, the Ray Hall Letterman cars are fast? You know what I mean? What if all Hondas are fast and it's, you know, it's a... It's a Chevy battle to get in. Who knows? Uh, it's going to be interesting. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, we also had McLaren reveal all their Indy 500 liveries, which Zach Brown was there for. They did a big reveal uh, in Long Beach. Um, they did it after uh, the three cars, basically after their triple crown victories, Le Mans, Monaco, and the Indy 500. Uh, very cool. I, I, I think they could have done maybe a little bit more, but sometimes simple is good. Like, Pato's yep. car is just all black. But, like, if you look at it closely, it's, like, black with, like, pearl flake in it, which like I, I think charcoal. is cool. Yeah, like a charcoal. And then the no. white on the top looks really, really cool. So I, I definitely love the um, the sort of almost Marlboro-type colors, but orange and white instead. Uh, I, I, I like what they did. And then TK's livery with the black and orange. It's just a good mix, and, and I think for them as a McLaren brand, very cool. So, uh, great yeah. work to them. Um, I Alex thought they were. Had, I thought they yeah. were. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big, um, you know, my my <laughs> my. I always joke with Ben Polizzi, yeah. but my fashion sense is kind of the three C's: clean, cool, classy. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't really go wrong with uh, simple, like you said. Um, and I thought that's what they did, and and the storyline behind it, I you know, I appreciate it. But also, you know, I think uh, you know somebody like Hinch and the fans out there who's going to be watching. It's going to be a lot easier to tell these cars apart from, uh, you know, last year where you have maybe like a slightly different blue number. And then that's how you're, you know, telling at 230 miles an hour who's paddled, who's Felix going by yeah. sometimes uh, just because that's that's kind of all that you're really working with. So so I, I thought they were, I thought they knocked them out of the park, man. I thought they were really cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, great stuff. So we got a lot of really cool um a lot of really cool news going on this week, and uh, this will be an extra long episode, which is great, but I, I think we should get to our guest now, Hinch. Uh, if you would like, Joe, you have one more thing? Yeah, just um, obviously Connor's going to be at the test day because he will be driving and, and working. <laughs> uh, but for anybody who's out there on Thursday, I will be out there on the mounds in turn two as well. Uh, I'm bringing my son, which I'm very excited about, so it's his first time seeing and hearing cars on the track outside of the womb. Um, so if you, if you, if you see me and you want to say, Hey, say, Hey, I'll probably be enjoying uh, a nice Miller latte or something out there, uh, watching Connor and friends go around, but, uh, yeah, I hope to see everybody there. So I'll give, I'll give you some speed street stickers to hand out. We'll give you speed nice. street stickers to hand out. Yeah. I'll put those in the strollers so I can have them ready to go. Uh, when, yeah, on hand, uh, cool, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get the hedge. Great combo. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, we have a very well-known guest uh, this week. Very, very exciting. 
Canadian man, uh, a man who has many IndyCar trophies, a man who has uh, many trophies really throughout his life. Uh, he has a wonderful wife. Uh, he is a bourbon aficionado. He is uh, uh, really one of our first uh, political figures uh, as well. Uh, he is a, a mayoral human being uh, in the uh, Canadian lands. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, we appreciate you uh, being here. And also NBC guy, of course. We wanted to list you know, your current job as well, NBC man of the hour. James, thank you for being here. How did you feel uh, about that intro? And uh, are you are you happy to be on this podcast? Well, I mean, let's just say, guys, uh, thanks for showing up. We're out of time now, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> that was the most in-depth intro I've ever had for anything, and I appreciate it all. I appreciate it all, buddy. It's uh, it's a thrill to be here on Speed Street. Uh, been a long time coming. I've uh, I'm not gonna lie. I've been a little little weirded out that I didn't get this call sooner. I thought maybe I offended somebody or something, but well, we, look, we finally did it. I mean, honestly, James, we just had to establish ourselves first. You know what I mean? We, I, I was on the, the, the off track with Hinch and Rossi program and I appreciate that. Uh, but you guys were already successful and we wanted to get to that point of like, Hey, we got to at least get enough listeners to where it's like, Oh, we we do want to hear Hinch, not like people that like you know eighteen people that you already knew were going to listen. Like we want now to you you to be exposed to even more folks from the Dirty Mo universe. Well, I, so I was we just going to say you guys should do yeah, big old Dirty Mo program, and I uh, I respect the hell out of that. That's a that's a I, huge get, guys. <laughs> I gotta say I am a little offended actually, uh, <laughs> because he has been on about seventeen thousand uh, vacation beach vacations. <laughs> <laughs> not yet received one invite or one hey you don't want to fly down to this private island that i met and uh so i am a, a little offended at that but other than you know i, I can we can sweep by that it's all good <laughs> i mean it's it is shameful it is shameful but i was holding out for this invite so now that i've had this invite joey maybe let's let's oh. go hang out on a beach buddy well it's just it's a step-by-step -step program we understand how these things work we're just all trying to build each other up to maybe eventually end up on beach vacations really more often. You know what I mean? That's the goal in life is to successfully get your way to doing beach vacations on a regular basis. I feel like that's got to be it. That's it. That's it. And I mean, it, Joey and I are kind of kicking it off because I think we're going to be neighbors uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this year. I think we're oh. going to be bus, bus lot buddies. I can't say bus bros or bus lot yeah. bros. That's taken. But we're no, going to be yeah. bus lot buddies. But that's also, we should excited. start a little like we should start like a like a satirical little like YouTube show called Bus Lot Buddies. That's just a complete <laughs> ripoff. Of well, all totally bros. That you have my information, and uh, I look forward to planning more of that. <laughs> oh man, that's well, I tell you what, Joseph's gonna love that since he's a big fan of already what he's got going on. Um, James, to get into serious topics, well, not really serious, but. We just had a motor race, uh, a, a motor race in which you were also inducted into the Hall of Fame of said motor race, which is very exciting. The Long Beach Grand Prix, uh, Hinge Hall of Fame guy. He's got one of those big. Is that a uh, storm drain they gave you? Is that a storm drain yeah, they put on cover, the ground? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> they gave you a storm drain. We love that. Uh, very very cool. 
But you got to see the race. Now, I still think you should be in the race, but you got to see the race and commentate upon it. Uh, I did not watch much of the race, obviously. I will not watch it because it was awful. But the motor racing that I did see via clips on the internet, I I thought there were some interesting things happening. I want to get into a few things with you on it. But overall, what did you think of the race? Huge fuel-saving rate. Like, one of the biggest fuel-saving races that I think we've seen in a while, which are the worst sometimes. Um, but what did you? What was your kind of initial thoughts on basically the, the program in general? Because I thought a lot of people watched it, too. Well, we can get into ratings, too. I thought that, that was not bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, the ratings were were very decent considering what we were up against, you know, head-to-head with NASCAR, and, um, and it's, you know, the kind of strongest year-over-year race that we've had so far in the season, uh, which is always nice. And and look, it's Long Beach. It's like the coolest event outside of the 500, I think. It's almost a unanimous feeling across the paddock. Um, the turnout was the largest turnout we've had in like a decade and a half at the track. Almost 200,000 people over the weekend. Bananas, awesome. Great vibe over the weekend. Weather was good over the weekend. Uh, the race itself, look, we had that caution on like lap 20 or whatever it was. Uh, I, I guess that was for Dixon and Steele with Pato. And that just, that destroyed the race. We actually had yeah. like a pretty good race kind of coming with a few of the drivers in the top 10 starting on the primaries. They had the rest of the guys on the alternates. It was just getting to that phase of the first stint where the primary guys were really going to get after it. The alternates starting to fall off the cliff. And that yellow came, which did two things. It essentially reset the strategy so everybody was on the exact same strategy. And it made it a fuel-save race from then on out. And look, it's not fun from in the car. It's not the most exciting thing to watch. But at the same time, we still, you know, we've got to see an interesting, I think for the first time in a long time, a heads-up fuel mileage comparison Honda to Chevy. And I think there was a bigger difference there than what, Certainly, I had thought was was kind of the the program at the moment in the series. Yes, uh, we got to see a first time winner, you know, in a in a sophomore driver, which is always always exciting. Um, we got to see Andretti Autosport have a nice comeback after two garbage weekends to start the year. <laughs> so it was, though not the most like thrilling on track motor race, it was still a cool event, and the race result was still awesome. Uh, and so I'm glad that everybody tuned in to watch. Hinch, what can, what do you think can um, the series and you know TV? I don't know how much it can go to the TV, but what do you think the series can take from Long Beach to kind of help that momentum for whatever magic pill they got working out there? Is there something, or is there a few things maybe? I mean, I think the big thing is you you hype up the fact that we had a a, a young early twenties second year driver win a race. You know, I think. We got to push that youth movement in a big way. That's always a good thing. Um, you look at the battle for the championship. You have had three different winners from three different teams so far in the season. So I think there's a lot of good momentum and, and a couple couple good little nuggets that we can take out of Long Beach and kind of bring to Barber. You know, uh, Pano hasn't won a race yet. He won that race last year. Last year. Um, so that's, you know, he's probably the odds-on favorite going into that one, which would make it four different winners out of four races. So yeah, I mean, it just really highlights how competitive IndyCar is right now. But what about even even like the at you mentioned the the attendance with over two hundred thousand people? Like, how how do you is it possible to kind of get that at the track momentum to transfer, or is it just all dependent on location? 
I think it's I think it's dependent on location, man. I think it's really dependent on the promoters at each event. You know, some have different strategies than others. Some strategies work better than others. Um, and and I think Long Beach has always done a great job at it. It's also been doing it the longest too, right? I mean, after Indy, this is the longest running event on the calendar by a, by a couple of years, and so they have that experience. They have the formula. They know what works, what doesn't. Uh, so yeah, if anything. You know, there's a big meeting at the start of the year where all the promoters get together. They sort of share ideas, things that work, things that don't. They try to help each other out because obviously they're not in direct competition with each other. And the better each individual event does, the better the sport is as a whole and and keeps growing. And then the other cool thing, speaking of growing the sport that happened in Long Beach was we saw the you know the preview of the first episode of 100 Days to Indy. So we're all yeah. hoping that's going to bring more people out to the track. So a couple of different things that hopefully we can, you know, use to carry the momentum forward. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach is one that we've really never had to worry about people coming there. Like, it's always a great event, and, and but this year it did feel slightly larger, and and it felt like there was um, just more attentiveness. I would say, like, there's a lot of people that go to Long Beach just because, like, it's Long Beach, and we're gonna have a couple beers, some king tacos, all the things. You know what I mean? Um, but but this year, and 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 the amount of celebrities, even with Coachella going on, that was a tough one. That a lot of people were at Coachella. Even Lewis Hamilton was at Coachella. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of people over there, but also, you know, I would say the attentiveness here and, 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 and celebrities and folks that were, I, I guess, high level individuals that like, actually like were in more interested, I would say than, than normal, like a lot of, a lot of celebrities, we get to the track and they're like, man, ah, cool pictures. Here we go. But like the, a lot of the ones that I talked to were like genuinely more interested in like, Hey, this is like really cool. What we have going on here, the Grand Prix of Long Beach. So I, I thought that was great. Um, and I hope that obviously our audience, of course, we got a million people. Well, anytime we get over a million people watching, I think that's a positive thing, especially when we go up head to head against NASCAR. That's like a death sentence usually for us. Um, so I hope that now that then translates to Barbara, because Barbara has been, I, I wouldn't say Barbara is the greatest race on the calendar. I, I'm not, a, I, I don't think it's the greatest racetrack for us. Um, but if we can continue that momentum and get those millions of people at, at Barber, I think that would be great. And again, a lot of drama at the end of Long Beach, so hopefully that keeps people engaged. Paddle hit everyone, it seemed like. Uh, I, I don't know how that happened all of a sudden. I saw all the videos and I was like, well, now we've set an interesting precedent because there were no penalties, as far as I'm aware, right? No penalties for essentially just driving Scott Dixon directly into the wall interesting precedent that's been set and i think I, i'm gonna have a question at the driver's meeting certainly next next at the next event because that's dangerous when you set that because now it's like as long as you put your car there it doesn't matter what happens to the other guy if you wreck them well great then you got one less person to worry about what did you think about that hinch i i thought it was weird because and and you know ross and i had this discussion slash debate because we're not entirely aligned on this one yeah, and I seem to recall at some point there was always a there was two things that that the officials used to kind of tell drivers right one is the needle of responsibility yes that was a term that they like to use and the the res there's more responsibility on the passing car than the car being passed that's just kind of a universally accepted truth right so obviously Pato is the passing car so there's more responsibility on him going into this into the situation. The other thing that they, I, I remember them saying, apparently, you know, I've spoken to someone who had a conversation with them where they kind of argued this point a little bit, but maybe you can back me up on this. 
the the outcome of contact in terms of do both guys just drop a wheel and maybe lose a position? Does one guy lose two positions, the other guy keeps going? Does one guy's race end and the other guy carries on to win? You know, like that does play into whether or not a penalty is is involved. And in this case, you had one guy's race essentially over. I mean, I know he continued, but he's lapsed down, so he's essentially over. And one guy carried on with absolutely no no issue. So I was expecting a penalty. It was a very late move. It was from pretty far back. There's nothing Scott could have done. But no. Otto's argument that he was alongside him is like, yeah, you were alongside him at point of contact. But yeah. like, if you watch his onboard, how he got there, when he got there, it's like there's, you know, as soon as you yeah. hit the brakes and turn in, you're committed to your line, especially on the street circuit. There's nothing you can do. And so if so, Scott wouldn't, he would have looked at his mirrors, wasn't even close, hit the brakes. At that point, Pato counted one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, then hit the brakes. There's nothing Scott can do. And Scott's race is over and Pato keeps going. So look, it's a, ra- it's a, it's a racing deal in the sense, like I don't blame Pato for trying to make the move. I was just surprised that there was not any repercussions from any car. So I'm, I'm it- curious to see how they answer that question at the, at the next driver's meeting. Well, exactly. And, and, but also like, Pato literally like threw himself into like another three cars like either before or after that. Like I didn't, I ha- I didn't see that incident on track because like my like my team was like, oh, there's a bunch of cars in the wall in turn eight, and like they continued, and I got there and like everyone was like rummaging around and continued. But like when I saw that clip, like again, Pato legitimately like had no hope of making that corner, and and it that could have been like a track blockage. You know what I mean? So I. Again, we we I, we last on our last show, Padomania. Happy that he's getting a lot of support. Um, but like you, I I think that was. If you look at last year, you see Joseph fencing Grosjean at Nashville, right? You look at that, and like there was no penalty for that, right? No penalty there, if I remember correctly. There was uh, Scott McLaughlin, Rossi and, and Felix. Yeah, so Rossi, Rossi and Felix at Toronto. Exactly. No there. But even even at St. Pete, you had McLaughlin and Grosjean, right? Like now both of them ended up on the wall. But McLaughlin got a penalty for that. Am I right? So I believe so. I don't remember actually, but I think maybe. Yeah, or no. Or well, Kirk would but also got a penalty. They were at, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he did. But like it's just there's a couple incidents where I look and like now this is smaller, but like Devlin shoving me off the track with any GP. Like it's the same thing. If there was a wall there, I end up in the wall, right? It's the same, it's the same thing. And there's no penalties being issued. So I guess I, I don't know if we should be cool with that as a sport. Like I get it, but like, as long as you're aware that it's going to look bad when like everyone starts just wrecking everyone because you can like now the, the precedent is like, put your car next to the other car don't care about said other car he is now on the wall like that i don't think that sets a good because again we want to have the best racing i think and i think we do have really good racing but like race control hasn't done anything i got a penalty last year for making a, a half block move to grosjean had to let him by and i was like well that what like we're gonna allow people to crash each other with no penalty but then like if i make the wrong move because i looked at my mirror late and tried to block him well, up oh, that panel. I, I I find it a little bit, a little bit odd. I would say. So what I'll say to that is, you, there's always two sides to the story, right? And yeah. so looking at it from the other side, um, I will say that you want to win, race control 
they never want to get involved, right? They of want course, to yeah. be as, as removed and, and step back as possible. And so you, you don't want to discourage drivers from making moves. So I think that definitely plays into their decisions. And then the other side of it is, I, I see what you're saying, and kind of Scott made a similar comment in his, in his post-race uh, interview, uh, kind of gloves off, if that's how we're going to race, let's race for the thing. I think it's important for people to remember that it's really hard to do that in an indie car and also get away with it yourself. Like, yeah, 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 we yeah. don't have bumpers and we don't have, you know, like our wheels are exposed. So yeah. like, well, he Pato didn't got get away with, with it, it the first time. Like he didn't get away with it when he spun himself into the wall. So like, no, that, that, that was yeah. the second one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yes. And, and, and that one, he did stand up and say hundred percent my fault. I got it too yeah. deep and, and that really is, that's the one he actually, he could have taken out three guys. Nobody actually got taken out by that, which was very yeah. lucky. Um, but I think that even though the drivers are seeing this, you know, this precedent, if you want to put it that way, being set, I don't really think it's going to lead to too big of an increase in that type of incident because those it's hard to do that right yeah you know what i mean like it's if you gave pato 10 more laps and and scott dixon 10 more laps probably like all right recreate that exactly where he goes off and you have no damage and carry on it's really hard to do yeah. so i'm not too worried about it getting too rough and tumble out there and i know race control doesn't want to get too involved and look fans are passionate if pato gets a penalty there's going to be a raft of fans that are like oh yeah that's bs this was a racing incident whatever if it doesn't well, get like, a penalty there's going to be a raft of fans be like how can you let yeah. people drive like that this is crazy <laughs> hey when you're in the booth now and we saw it at texas a little bit you know because you and townsend and even lee with the rossi uh kyle kirkwood incident in the pits you guys came out of the broadcast and from your vantage point you're like yeah that that, that looks like it's on kyle and then it comes back afterwards, and we have all that mess, and Kyle's quote tweeting IndyCar on NBC. Now all the incidents on the track when you're in the booth. Is it a weird balance for you? Are you thinking about, uh, I need to kind of sit on a line here a little bit, or are you just not afraid to keep throwing out the opinion? Yeah, I mean, look, my, my job is to call it how I see it. And, you know, I was in the car for 11 years. I know what it's like to be in most of these situations, and I just have to give my opinion how I see it. The fact of the matter is, people will disagree. If I was involved in the incident in the car myself, people are going to disagree with your opinion on it, right? You're not going to get everybody oh, yeah. on the same page. So I, I have to be very conscious of the fact that my job is to call it how I see it. I can't protect anybody. I can't protect my friends, you know, whenever. All the guys are my friends. Like, I, I get along with everybody. If someone has an issue with something that I said after the race, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it. Uh, and I did. I did talk to Kyle after Texas, actually. Um, and I mean, that was a unique one. Cause I mean, I've got over the videos on that, all the different angles a hundred times. And it's just like, there is such a good case for both sides of that being at fault yeah. that I would say at, at, it's, it was a racing incident. There's, it was a really hard one to put a penalty on when I really kind of dissected it. Um, still thought it was maybe a little, I think there was more that the combined 27 group could do to avoid that the seven group given all the information um but yeah i mean no yeah you have to just you have to just call it man it's it's tough sometimes you know you're gonna you know piss some people off maybe but you gotta do what you gotta do you think it's yeah. more difficult for you though being like it's like you know the 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 kid who graduates high school and then like four years later he's back teaching at high school right it's like what the hell you were just here right you know what i mean people <laughs> is it a little bit more awkward and weird <laughs> for you it has to be 
Yeah, for sure. But I have to forget that part of it. You know, I have to just, when we're on air, I've got to just He's do my job and be professional <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, there, I'm sure there will be times where I'll say something on air because it's how I see it, but then I'll immediately go find that guy and be like, hey, man, I didn't mean to like swing at you, but like, that's just how it looks. I mean, tell me I'm wrong and we can talk about it, but like, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. That was one of the things they told me. They're like, when I first got the job at NBC, they were, when they first offered me the job, they're like, just so we're clear, you're going to be okay calling out your friends, right? Like we can't have everybody just sure treated with, with gloves, you know, with white gloves on and whatever. I'm like, no, no, I'll, I'll do what I got to do. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I completely agree with, cause I, I dabbled in a little SRX commentary, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, got the boys in there that we know about, but, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta call like you see it for sure. Um, I think we, we did a little research on that, that issue that we talked about. Scott McLaughlin did get a drive through in St. Pete. So like to just cap that out, that off, interesting that that ends up with a penalty and, and the paddle thing doesn't. So I, I think it'll be very curious to, we, we, we could get into it for hours, but like, it'll be very curious basically just to see how that progresses because, Pato coming out saying, I ain't going to apologize with this huge posse of, of fans behind him. Love that scene. Honestly, as a fan, I thought that was fantastic. Um, probably not the greatest thing to say because, like, it, it did literally wreck six-time champion Scott Dixon, like, straight into the wall. Um, but great for the sport, I think. Great for the sport. Uh, as long as we just don't get into demo derbies, uh, great for the sport, Right. right? I think so. I I think what I what I could see uh, being a topic or a or a rebuttal from the stewards when that question is asked is the situation with Scott. He blatantly lost control of the car, right? Like, like he had a rear lockup, it stepped out, and you could say that loss of control is part of the reason why the penalty was applied. In Pato's case. I mean, he's, he didn't lose control. He didn't lock a front tire. He didn't lock any rears. He just fired it in there. So maybe <laughs> that's where they draw the line. But then it goes back to Toronto uh, with Felix and Alex, Dead. where Felix got a big oversteer on exit, and that's what snapped his car into Rossi's car, and that's what put Rossi into the wall. No penalty there. <laughs> you could argue loss of control. So it's like, I think I think when we, when I talk about this with, with Rossi, his big thing is just like I I want consistency. He's like they didn't exactly. call a penalty on a Felix situation, and I ended up in the wall, and Felix ended up on the podium. I think so. He goes, I'm glad they didn't give a penalty, or else I'd be even more angry about Felix not getting a penalty in Toronto. He's like, I don't care what the outcome is as long as it's consistent. Yeah, and that that's that's exactly the point. That like I just we just want to make sure like this has this can't be a confusing message because let's say you get three races left in the season and there's, you know, a championship on the line and you, you might not have called something for the Pato incident here, but then you decide that, okay, he went off and fired off one of his championship competitors or someone else fired him off. And like, he's expecting a penalty. It's like, dude, you didn't get penalized for doing the same thing in Long Beach. So like, they have to be consistent. It's one of those things that that that's where it just becomes like right now. Hey, you know what? Racing, boom bing bong everyone's in the wall if sat sometimes like that's fine but it, the consistency for sure is the key um so joey well let me let me ask you this yes so as someone who's had fewer indycar starts than connor or myself you're watching that yeah. from the out but you've watched a bunch of indycar you're watching that from the outside 
do you like that race control didn't get involved in that? Did you think like that was the kind of move that you're like, that eh, seems a little too much, maybe should have been penalized? Like, what was your take on it? No, after <laughs> after doing this for almost two, well, over a year and a half now, and and, and yeah, and, and talking with folks like you guys, I was of the same opinion as Connor, um, just because I'm kind of looking at it and exactly what he said. I'm just like, if, if that's not, then what is? And so that's where, you know, I'm sitting there at Daredevil Brewing and, uh, and Speedway with a couple buddies, you know, Sam A, who, you know, Hedge, and he's kind of losing it. And he's just like, how, you know, what, how is there nothing going on there? What is the Pato doing? And, uh, yeah, so from, from my vantage point, it's the same thing. And I know that there's been instances, um, like Connor said with Devlin last year, where we, <laughs> we had a full podcast episode essentially about that, where we were. <laughs> Not only breaking down the incident, but also what Connor said, uh, you know, over the radio, which was great. Um, I guess that's just kind of my thing. And I look at it, I always try to do like parallels and analogies here, like, uh, you know, like Colin Cowherd, if you will. But like for the, the, the non, you know, for someone who is just a very casual fan of racing, you know, I look at it as like, okay, it, if you have that defense, that's really, really uh, uh, aggressive, right? And they're all over the receivers in the first quarter, and they're not calling it. They're kind of setting the precedent, right? That that they're going to let them play, you know. Um, and then, like you see in the Super Bowl this past year, all of a sudden, at the most crucial time, they call kind of a you're going to call that holding penalty. So to Connor's point, what, you, what he's saying, if you know three races left, or you know you're out in Portland or whatever, and there's a championship on the line, you look back to Long Beach in April. And be like, what? Where? Where's the line here? This is a very gray area, and, and I can't figure it out. So that, that that that's how I saw. Um, Hinch. So to get into a little bit more, we could talk about IndyCar all day because that's what we do. This is our job. Sometimes. Uh, what about those who are, let's say, members of the mayoral community, Hinchtown visitors? Uh, when can we expect to see uh, James Hinchcliffe? Let's say back in a race car. Like what? What is, because like, I know I've talked to you every now and then personally, I think people probably don't know maybe how close you've been to this, that, and whatever, maybe sports cars, maybe another Indy. Do you have any interest in doing a one-off at the Indy 500 again? Obviously, you don't want to show up in anything that's not competitive because, you know, we know how that can go. Um, but what's what's the latest on Driver Hinch? And it, what what are our chances of seeing you behind the wheel again soon? In, in, in a plaid outfit, potentially? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's uh, that's a great question. I yeah, for sure, I, I'm interested in, in all of it. I uh, I have been very close to a couple of sports car programs, as you sort of alluded to, do that for you know reasons, life, racing, however, whatever you want to call it. Uh, sort of all fell apart at the last minute, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, so still interested in doing some of that and getting back behind the wheel in that world. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as IndyCar goes, you know, the 500 is, is the only thing that's kind of, you know, left for me desire wise to get back in and do. And, uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's gotta be in a car that's worth doing it. And so, you know, I had some conversations over the last year about, you know, 22, about 23, none of the programs got me excited enough, to be honest, to, uh, to do that, to really put everything that you are into doing that race and, and trying to win it. You know, I don't need this another starter ring to sit on the shelf. Uh, I I want to I want a baby Borg. So, if the right program comes up, 100 percent, man, I'll I'll jump back in and, and wheel it around the speedway any day. One thing I find interesting, real quick as well, um, you were with Andretti. I would say the 
in, in I would say years where they were struggling. I, I would say Andretti has made a huge step forward this year. Um, and I think our driving styles have been probably not as favorable towards this aeroscreen era car. Uh, but what do you think has been the major upgrade to the Andretti program since since you've been there? Because again, I would say probably just a tough the last year for sure, a tough couple years at Andretti there. But they've 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 tarred it around in a huge way. What have you noticed has been different? Has it been just pure investment in finding the mechanical grip, finding the speed, finding the way that car you know has to work? I think it's I think it's a couple things. Uh, I do think there was some pretty big investment over the over the off season. Um, you know, in in the broadcast, we we had a lot of conversations in like pre production meetings over the first couple races about how for the longest time, you know, we've talked about the big three teams in IndyCar being Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti. And then when you really look at the last 10 years of the series, all 10 championships have been won between Penske and Ganassi. And so it's like, okay, well, is it actually a big three? Is it actually really just a big two? And then, then there's like a middle three, which is Andretti, McLaren, you know, Ray Hall, whoever else. And so... I think that Andretti as a group recognize that. They're angry they haven't been in a genuine championship fight for a couple of years. Uh, and so they pulled the trigger on a couple of things. And then I also think that there was a big talk about, you know, how to just work together better as a team on a race weekend. It's, it is so tough to balance four programs, you know, four different cars. You've got four different drivers, four different engineers, potentially four different philosophies that you want to chase or or paths of development you want to do on a weekend. And it's easy to get lost, especially as, you know, they started taking away practice time from teams. And so I think it's a combination of, I mean, they've always been good on street circuits and that's been two of the three races we've had so far this year. Um, I think that they did find some stuff to even make their very good street course car even better. And then I think there's a lot of harmony in the team right now. I think that the drivers are all working well together. I think the engineers are all working in a slightly different way. And and the results are showing. I mean, the results on paper haven't been what they wanted. The first two races were, were pretty bad, but the uh. speed was there. There was a lot of bad luck involved in that, like Grosjean fighting for the win in St. Pete. Uh, you know, Herda got into the top six, I think, in Texas. And, and uh, Grosjean was right there. Maybe it was top seven. Um, but then a lot of, a lot of issues that took them out, you know, Kyle had his thing in St. Pete, he had a mechanical in Texas, whatever. So it was great to see them one, two, four in, in, in Long Beach. I think it just shows that they've got a lot of good pace and, and yeah, what, for whatever it is, a combination of a bunch of little things, I think have really turned that team around. Open testing at IMS, uh, Thursday and Friday, Hinch, you know, you'll be in the booth for like 18 hours. Uh, what do we got planned? Uh, we got any wild <laughs> lackey segments we got planned that we can look forward to or are we the boys? Just oh chatting? God, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. We know there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a laundry list of taped elements that I think we're going to burn through over, I think it's seven hours on the first day and six hours on the second day. Um, well, we'll see. No, it's look. I'm 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 happy that we're we're broadcasting it on Peacock. I think fans just love seeing indie cars around the speedway, and so it's uh, it's always fun to get to be there, see cars on track. The the programs I imagine most people are planning to run are not going to be the most exciting to watch. So, like, don't expect that sort of happy hour, you know, full fuel 
race yeah. down force pack running at the end of the day. I don't think we're going to see that 25 mile an hour now. winds, 25 mile an hour winds <laughs> tomorrow too. So really everyone's going to be thrilled yeah. to be out there. <laughs> yeah. And then potential with some, some like some rain on Friday. So it might yeah. be a slow couple of days, but it's still, it's still a new car speedway. And uh, yeah, we might have to get a little creative Joey to, uh, to fill some of that time. I think it's going to be great though. I, I love that Peacock's doing this. I think I, I think also the streaming numbers too from Long Beach were, were big. I mean, you got over fifty thousand people watching uh the the race via streaming platform. So like that's great for us. It's great for our partners, great for everyone. Um I don't want to take up too much of your time because we do have an indie test uh literally tomorrow. Uh, and I'm sure you have some preparation to do. But I <laughs> want to get you a be quick at the track, yeah. Well I, well, we're lo- unloading right now. It's fine, no big deal. I gotta go there in a, about an hour. Uh, I want to get a quick speculative uh, Indy 500 top three from you. Uh, let's get a, get a little prediction right now at the gate with no preparation allowed. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in any order. Just give us a, a three human beings that end up in the top three positions. James Hinchcliffe, this is all you. Scott Dixon, Colin Herta, Alexander Rossi. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. That's probably a solid... That's probably a solid Top three. Alex has had a rough Mixed go. Teams. Yeah. Alex had a rough go, but yeah, like I, I look at what, you know, Plato and, and Felix did there last year. So obviously the cars are competitive. They've thrown Tony in the mix. You've got Alex as a rating or as a as a previous winner, tons of experience, very fast there. That's a good combo. Uh Colton, I think, really wants to make up for what happened last year. That oh, car yeah. big crash, you know, go to the backup car, just a disaster of a of a race day for him. Uh, and Andretti, obviously, always a threat at the Speedway. And then you got Scott Dixon, the guy who should have probably won the last three, you know, in a lot of yeah. ways. And uh, and then the Ganassi cars on last year. I mean, I mean, based on last year, you should say if the top three are going to be Marcus Erickson, Alex Polo, Scott Dixon, and Kumasato. Yeah, the top, well, there's your top four. Just I mean, the Hondas well, have been Ganassi, fast too. I mean, well, yeah, 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 them, yeah. <laughs> and, and in, I think in qualifying, yeah, I think in qualifying, yes. the Hondas have had an advantage. I think in the race pace, though, it's pretty, at the 130 boost, it's pretty even, I would yeah. say. Uh, I, I don't think they yeah. have, I don't think they have the same advantage. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a team Chevy guy, of course. And we love, we love Chevrolet, but I think, uh, you, I guess we'll, we'll know a little bit tomorrow, but you never really know until you turn up boost for, for fast Friday. You're not going to know anything tomorrow. <laughs> but like, man, they were, I mean, they were so fast last year that like, it's going to take a pretty considerable, you know, jump from, uh, even as someone who ran right behind a Honda in P2, and Scott had a lot of speed, and those Ganassi cars were well, so but, fast. But that's the thing. That's the thing. You you got to be careful. It's a combination. You can you can say the Honda thing, but there were five Ganassi cars oh, that yeah, were yeah, all yeah. in the fast twelve. Yeah, like those cars were so fast. So yeah. they skewed the numbers a little bit. I think that's but true. Yeah, I do still think in quality trim, Honda's got its small edge. I think in race trip is pretty is pretty. Yeah, I'm they excited could, for it. Real quick, Hinch, uh, I know um, Off Track's got an event coming up Friday. What do we got going on at the track with uh, you and, and Rossi and them? Yeah, man, uh, pretty excited. We're doing a live show at uh, at the Speedway on Friday. So we're really hoping the rain holds off because we've got a sweet in turn two. Um, we've got a bunch of people coming out. We're going to try to catch the last hour and a half of practice. And then once Rossi's done messing around with his engineer, she's going to come up to the suite. We got Prime 47 catering it, and we're going to do ourselves a little live show and have some fun. So 
Uh, Connor, you're welcome to swing by, bud. We'd love to have you. Joey, if you're at the track and want to come check it out, please stop by. Uh, we'd love to have you guys there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time. Well, I mean, as you know, right. Then get them, tell them where they get tickets. Oh yeah. Get tickets. Tickets, If I mean, tickets are going fast. So if you want to come, it's this Friday, uh, tickets are on askofftrack.com and we're down to the last couple guys. So, uh, if you're listening, get on it. Well, as as you know, Inch, I, uh, I I it's hard for me to pass up events with free food, uh, so that could be a potential for me to be there. Um, I appreciate you coming on to this podcast. There's a lot that we could talk about. Uh, if you don't listen to Off Track with Inch and Rossi, well, I you probably do if you listen to this show. So please do if you don't. Um, and uh, and yeah, let's let's have a successful IndyCar season. Please watch the races because Hinch will be entertaining you on them. So Hinch. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you on the Peacock. Thank you, guys. I'll be entertaining you on them. You'll be entertaining us in them. (laughs) Joey and I will be having wild nights in the bus lot all May and culminating in your show at the Vogue at the end of the month, which I'm excited about. So it's going to be great, guys. Let's have ourselves a time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hinch. See you, buddy. Well, that was a... Great chat with Hinch, I think. Uh, we could honestly, we could we could have probably spent an hour talking to him, but uh, we got to go to the open test here soon. Got to go to the track um, to get things ready to go 230 miles an hour. Uh, you know, last year, the open test, the quickest lap was like 229. So we could be ripping tomorrow uh, and Friday. Hopefully the rain stays away. Um, there's going to be wind. So please watch on Peacock for sure. But great chat with Hinch. He'll be on the Peacock broadcast. He'll be trying to fill time with crazy chats and all kinds of weird things. Um, so yeah, loved, loved having a great conversation with him. I, I same, uh, love Hinch, but I, I texted him about a month ago and I was like, Hey man, what's your, like, are you going to be back in the driver's lot this May or what, what's your, what's your status kind of? And he was like, man, I don't really know. I'm not for sure. He's like, are you going to be back where you were? I said, I think so. He said, well, shit, I'm just going to tell Dougie B to put me in the museum lot. So that's very, very exciting and uh, something to look forward to as well. And selfishly, I'm excited because then I'll get some hinge time because, you know, he's got way more downtime than all you fellas who uh, have to be in all sorts of driver's meetings and with your, you know, your engineers and everything. So I look forward to some. Uh, bus lot buddies action from me and Hinge, no doubt. Uh, Connor, you got a yes. random Indy 500 driver this week, I hear. Yes, so uh, one of our favorite segments, the Ricky Treadway random Indy 500 driver of the week. Um, honestly, we went deep, deep into the Indy 500 history for this one. And I'm not going to lie, I did get a little, a little hint, a little maybe... Uh, suggestion, which I don't usually take uh, on this one um, from president of IMS, Doug Bowles. Uh, he thought this could be an interesting story, and Doug does know more about the Indy 500 than all of us. Um, so we went deep into the archives. We went to the 1925 Holy Indy 500, shit. the 1925 race, uh, and we're going to go with the the 13th place finisher in this event, uh, Earl DeVore. Earl DeVore finished 13th. Now, let me read you the the, 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 the Wikipedia story for Earl here. Francis Earl DeVore was an American race car driver. DeVore and fellow driver Norman Batten, also an Indy 500 driver, uh, I believe he finished in the same race 
nor uh, he was not in this in 1925, but he was he was also a driver. Norman Batten and Earl DeVore were aboard the SS Vestris Ocean Liner when it sank. He is credited with saving the lives of his wife and Batten's wife. Both Batten and DeVore were lost at sea. Reports indicate that DeVore was eaten by a shark in the icy waters. Oh, man. We, this is our first shark attack driver of the week. Uh, we lost two Indy 500s on a boat crash? Are you kidding me? The SS Vestris sank two talented drivers. Um, that's crazy. Added, did, you, did you did you Google that, Joey? I was following along. Added <laughs> to the list, man. Yeah, we got a good tweet, I think, last week or the week before. And somebody was like, you know, their reaction when one of our Indy, a random Indy, Indy 500 drivers isn't a felon or dead. Um, so I look forward to seeing what people hear about. This poor week is Earl shark attack. In, in the bowels and the belly of a shark. Yeah, so poor Earl was lost at sea. Uh, R.I.P. Earl. Um, but thank you for saving people's lives. Zero. Zero. Interesting about Earl as well. His son, uh, Billy DeVore, went on to do seven Indy 500s as well, starting in 1937. So that is awesome. So we have a family, uh, a hero who saved people's lives, got eaten by sharks, uh, and then his son, uh, boom, seven-time Indy 500 starter. So that is, what a wild story that is. Two drivers lost at sea, RIP uh, to Mr. Batten as well, uh, Norman Batten. So, wow, that's uh, that's wild. We got a little bit of two-for-one deal here, two-for-one deal. Earl DeVore, more like Earl devoured by shark. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, and, man. Uh, on that note, uh, we will get out of here. It's been a great one. Thanks to Hinch. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope maybe you're listening to it on your way to the track out there on Thursday or Friday. Looking forward to being back at uh, the world's greatest race course. Always a good day to be there, especially when there's cars flying around on the track. So look forward to that. Um, yeah, good deal. Be sure to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. We keep pumping this up. We're getting guests every week. The month of May is just around the corner. You got to be in here. You got to be on the speed street, man. You got to be with us. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, For Connor Daly, for Ben Walden, for Joey Molinier, and myself, we'll talk to you next week on Speed Street. Listen to the latest episode of the Dale Jr. Download now, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.